0: Today, I'm going to be speaking on the subject, Who Was Jesus Christ? Actually, as I began my reflection and study on this message, and I thought of the title that I had come up with, Who Was Jesus? I then immediately asked myself, if I name the message, Who Was Jesus? Some might get the idea that I might be implying that he is not now what he once was. but Of course, that's not true. Some may think that Jesus has changed from what he was. But that's not true. Jesus Christ is the same as he always was. He will continue to be what he always was, what he is. There's no change in Jesus Christ. The scripture is very clear on this. He says... Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a fantastic promise that is. You see, that's my Jesus. He's the same. He has always been and always will be. This means that you and I can count on him of being there for us whenever we need him And he's there for us, I was going to say, even when we don't need him. But there's never a time in our life when we don't need Jesus Christ. He's faithful. He's unchanging in his entire being and behavior. He's always loving. He's always just. He's always compassionate. He's always forgiving. That's my Jesus. Is he yours? I'm simply going to call this message today, Jesus, who is he? You say, Pastor Lee, especially some of you young people perhaps, couldn't you come up with a more relevant topic than Jesus Christ? My answer to that question is no. Jesus is the most relevant topic of person at any time he is spoken about. He is the most relevant person or topic anywhere, anytime. Jesus Christ is always relevant. Now for those of you who watch TV, I know few of you do, let me ask you a question. In the month of December especially, what was the most pervasive topic on prime time during that month? It was Jesus Christ. Every major News station had a special sometime, in fact, a series on the person of Jesus Christ. Who was he? Where did he come from? What kind of miracles did he do? They were talking about Jesus Christ the whole time. That's Jesus Christ now. A man who was born at least 2,000 years ago. More, of course, but he's still current. So current, so relevant that these major news stations would put him on prime time for week after week. Now, if they didn't think they were making money, they wouldn't do that. Jesus is still a drawing card today. You know, they said on Broadway, the longest running play was Phantom of the Opera. They just announced that it was the uh, the longest running one. But that's not true. Jesus Christ is still on center stage throughout the world. He is still the current topic for our discussion. See, that's my Jesus. He grabs your attention. He's still relevant and he always will be relevant. Let me read you something that I took out of a magazine just recently talking about this. They entitled this particular article... What do scholars say about Jesus? Listen to this. The debate over who scholars say Jesus is has been the hottest issue in the Christian world for these past three years. That's when it was written. That was four, three or four years ago. Over 1.7 billion believers proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ. But who is it that Christians worship? Most scholars say with us that Jesus was the Son of God, the promised Messiah, who died on the cross to redeem human sin, only to rise from the grave and reappear to his disciples. But some scholars today say he was simply an extraordinary man who was proclaimed to be something more by others who were growing in their faith. And he really wasn't who they thought he was but never before has the quest to separate the Jesus of history from the Christ of faith caught the attention of so many ordinary people. At Easter 1966, and again in the Christmas season of 2005, the three leading weekly news magazines, Time, Newsweek, US News and World Report, all had cover stories documenting the contentious argument over scholarly portraits of the historical Jesus along, I might add, with every major TV news channel as well in 2005. The Jesus Seminar is a leading group of men who is following or is involved in this quest for discovering who Jesus was. These 70 scholars for more than a decade, have met twice yearly to pass judgment on the words and deeds of Jesus as stated in the New Testament. They come together every year now to determine if Jesus Christ through the Bible was really the Jesus Christ of history. And with the flair of getting media publicity, the Jesus Seminar captured public attention seen in newspaper and magazine reports in this country, that's the U.S., The popular media's fascination with Jesus seminar and the quest for the historical Jesus is part of the larger religious debate sweeping the Christian world today. Many people have rejected traditional church in a preference for a scientific understanding of the world and of religion. At the same time, though, many Christians have responded to the secular culture with an intellectual belief in the gospel and of Jesus Christ. The Jesus scholars are facing strong reaction from evangelical and conservative scholars. Now listen to this. These are the people that many people today are listening to to determine who Christ is. The Jesus Seminar is led by a retired professor, Robert Funk, a former Roman Catholic priest, John Dominic Crossan, who now teaches in Chicago, and Marcus Borg, a professor from Oregon. These are fine scholars. But unfortunately, they are neither matched by many others in the group of 70, nor by people who refute their viewpoints. Listen to this now. Crossan claims Jesus could not have physically risen from the dead because his body was likely thrown to the dogs after being taken down from the cross. Bog says Jesus was a shaman, a religious magician who healed the sick. This is the kind of input information that has been given to a lot of people today especially our young people, and they are accepting it because it comes from men who say they are professional theologians. The Jesus Seminar fellows use colored beads to vote on whether the Bible claims what Jesus said and did were historically correct. This is what they do. A red bead means Jesus said it. A pink bead means Jesus probably said something like this. A black bead, which means Jesus did not say this, but others put it in his mouth. Voting in this manner, the Jesus seminar concluded only 18% of the words of Jesus in the gospel are his. By voting in this way, these theologians of the day rejected the virgin birth and claims that Jesus proclaimed himself the son of God and his resurrection is not present in the Bible at all. They concluded that Jesus was probably born in Nazareth, not Bethlehem. He had no father named Joseph. His arrest, trial and execution was suggested by prophets in the Old Testament and that clearly Christian storytellers arranged to have fulfilled as they told and retold this story to them. There Jesus was an itinerant social critic and sage, a rebel against a repressive established social order. That's how the learned see Jesus today. How do you see him? See, that's not my Jesus. People are still asking though, who is Jesus? Have you asked that question lately? Ask it right now. Who is Jesus? In fact, Jesus himself... Ask the disciples that same question. In Matthew 16, 13, the scripture says, Now when Jesus came into the of Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now listen carefully. This is the most important question anybody could ask themselves. An answer. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus Christ asks that question. Notice what his disciples said. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. But others still say Jeremiah. Or some say one of the prophets. What do you say? Who is Jesus? But then he turned to his disciples and he says, Okay, that's good to hear what the public says. But you, my associates, you, my close associates, who do you say that i am now every one of you here i don't care how old you are what color you are how much money you make that's the one question you have to answer who do you say jesus christ is simon peter answered you are the christ the son of the living god Now notice what jesus said blessed are you simon barjona Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I want you to notice this. If we are going to get the true answer to who Jesus is, we must have a special revelation from God. It does not come from science, it does not come from books, but it comes from God Himself through His Holy Spirit. That's why when you hear people answer the question, Who do men say that I am? Who is Jesus? you've got to find out where they get this source. For instance, listen to what some people have said about Jesus Christ. Now remember, that's the question Who do men say that I am? Who is Jesus? Well, look at this, for instance. Look at this quote I am an historian, I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. That's H.G. Wells. Listen to this one. I cannot say that Jesus was uniquely divine. He was as much God as Krishna or Rama or Muhammad or Zoroaster. Mahatma Gandhi said that, and he was a, political leader but he said something else a man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others including his enemies and became the ransom of the world it was a perfect act that was also Gandhi Gandhi once it is reported said when he read about the life of Jesus Christ if he could only find one person who lived like Christ he would have become a Christian Isn't that amazing from such a mind? That's why many believe that his response to the peaceful reaction and so on was based on the life of Christ. But listen to this one, Bernard Russell, the noted atheist. There's one very serious defect in my mind in Christ's moral character, and that is that he believed in hell. It is a doctrine that put cruelty into the world and gave the world generations of cruel torture. And the Christ of the Gospels, if you could take him as his chronicles represent him, would certainly have to be considered partly responsible for that. That's Bertrand Russell blaming Jesus Christ for all the cruelty and hatred in the world. What do you think of Jesus Christ? Did you get your information? do you think Bertrand Russell got that information? Do you think it came from God? But yet some people accept it. But listen to another one. As a child, I received instructions both in the Bible and in the Talmud. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such a life. That's the word of an atheist. You know who he was? Albert Einstein. We owe him so much in our progressing world today. Albert Einstein. This is the question now. These people answer the question, who do men say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples, what are men saying who I am? Here are what some people are saying today about Jesus Christ. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, He did not intend to do so. That's C.S. Lewis, the Narnia author. Either Jesus Christ is who he said he was, or he's a liar or a lunatic. Who do you say he is? Where are you getting your information from? Is it from the books from evolution, or is it from God himself? Listen to Mother Teresa. This is what she said about Jesus. Every person is Christ for me. Sounds nice, doesn't it? And since there's only one Jesus, that person is the one person in the world at that moment. That's Jesus for Mother Teresa, the people that she was helping. Here's Prince Philip. Jesus might be described as an underprivileged, working-class victim of political and religious persecution. That's what royalty thought about Jesus. Listen to Martin Luther King. Only one. He said many things. Jesus Christ was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness. Martin Luther King Jr. Here's Gorbachev. Gorbachev said Jesus was the first socialist, the first to seek a better life for mankind. He was right and he was wrong. Here's Woody Allen. I know you like him. If Jesus Christ came back and saw what was being done in his name, he wouldn't be able to stop showing up. We laugh. And coming from a man like that, maybe we're laugh, But you know something? There's a lot of truth to that. What some people do in the name of Christ causes some people to throw up. What do you think about Jesus? Can people look at your life as a Christian and say you're Christ-like, or would they throw up too? You know, there's coming a day when we don't have the right relationship to Jesus Christ, and our love for him does not remain strong and fervent and we go ahead doing our own thing, Jesus is going to actually throw us up; He'd spit us out of his mouth. He says that in Revelation. Listen to what John Lennon said when the Beatles first came on the scene. He says, we're more popular than Jesus Christ now. Remember that? He did say that. Final one for now. 2,000 years ago, one man got nailed to a tree saying how great it would be if everyone was nice to each other for a change. Douglas Adams got nailed to a tree for saying how great it would be if everyone would be nice to each other for a change. That's what some people think about Jesus Christ. Let me give you a few more before we go to the Word. And all of this is a reflection of the Word. Jesus says, what are you saying about... Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Where are you getting your information concerning Jesus. Let me bring it down more to where many of us are. You know who Isaac Hayes is? Do you? Who is Isaac Hayes? Great musician and songwriter. Here's what he thinks about Jesus Christ. Jesus means salvation for mankind. Now, when you look at Isaac Hayes, you ever thought he would say something like that? Jesus means salvation for mankind. That's why he was here. He walked the earth. He interacted with man human beings on this planet, and he left an everlasting mark. And he was sacrificed, as the book goes, and he's a symbol of salvation and hope and the future. That's Isaac Hayes. Startling, isn't it? Listen to Gerald Ford, former president. For almost 2,000 years, imperfect humans have drawn the inspiration from the only perfect life ever lived. Today, more than ever, we need to hear and heed Jesus' message of unbounding love and peace. He is my personal Savior, and our world's greatest hope. Isn't that great? Do you remember the former Miss America, Nicole Johnson? Listen to her. In this new millennium, it is so wonderful to know that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. This is a young person. He is the beginning and the end, and he has given each and every one of us unconditional love. It is free. He offers it to both the sinner and saint. And in the new century, what I am attempting to do and hope to do is to give him all my love and devotion, and I encourage everyone else to do the same. That's a Miss America. Who do you men say that I am? You remember, some of you play soccer. Ronaldo, he was recognized or claimed to be the number one soccer player in the world. After Billy, this is what he said. I am considered the best football player in the world, the number one. But the greatest man that ever lived in this world is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He is the real number one. That's an athlete. Now, I'm just giving you a response to Jesus' Christ. Who do men say that I am? David Copperfield. You know who he is, a magician, delusionist. The miracles of the Bible are beyond anything a magician or an illusionist can perform. But greater than any physical miracle was the ability of a man named Jesus to bring purpose and meaning to life for millions of people throughout the centuries. As David Coverfield. That's what he would say in response to the question, Who do men say that I am? Some of you sports enthusiasts might have remembered Jonathan Edwards, the triple jump world record holder. This is what he says. I'm here to pay tribute to a man who's influenced the world more than anybody else who ever lived. And that's the man, Jesus Christ. In fact, he was much more than a man. He was a son of God and he came to give his life for everybody so that they could know God. But my tribute is a personal one. It's the fact that this man died for me so that I could know God and I could experience his love and his forgiveness. That's what a sports person said about jesus christ that's what he says in response to jesus question, who do men say that i am that question has been asked of you today who do you think jesus christ really is he asked this question to some of the uh, pharisees in matthew 22 verse 41 this is what his scripture says now while the pharisees were gathered together jesus asked them a question what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Put it into context, the Jewish context. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? What is his lineage? They said to him, he is the son of David. In other words, the Messiah would come from the line of David. Jesus said to them, Then how does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord. Now, the Lord here in this verse is written in caps meaning that it means Yahweh the the, the Jewish name for the true God so it's saying here God said to my God sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet Jesus goes on if David calls him Lord and he how then can he be his son if he calls him God how can he be David's son Notice what the text says. No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day to ask Jesus another question. The context means about his lineage. Why? Why couldn't they answer? Because there's only one answer the Messiah is God. And they didn't want to say that Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah was claiming to be God. But that's in fact what he was doing. Jesus, my Jesus, claimed to be God. Now thankfully, through the Father, through both the Son and the Holy Spirit, has revealed to us, just as he revealed to Peter, who Jesus is. He's done that in this book we call the Bible. He has given us a comprehensive answer to who Jesus is in these pages. For all of us to see, to understand, and believe. Now it would be impossible to go through all of the references in the New Testament where Jesus is said to be God or claims to be God. But we're going to look at just a few before we close. And I'm convinced that even though we only have a little time, that the time we do spend on this is enough for us to see Jesus again for the first time. And that's what I want you to do in 2006. To see Jesus again. For the first time you see the more we see jesus in the pages of scripture we will grow more in love with him notice i didn't say we will fall in love with him we will grow more in love with him that's my jesus he grows on you and so i want you to let's look at a couple of verses before we close Consider first the testimony of Matthew. And we're going to look at people who walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, live with Jesus. Someone says, if you really want to know someone, you've got to live with them. Are these people live with Jesus? All right? Matthew was a customs officer. Mm-hmm. These were known for trying to get things under the table. Now, I'm not saying that's what customs officers do today. <laughs> but Matthew, was, he was a customs officer tax collector. And they got rich by, you know, if it says, well, you've got to pay $10 for this, well, it actually you got to be $15. That $5 goes to me. That's what they got so rich. And remember, I'm making no, no comparisons here, but that's what the Bible says. Notice what it says in Matthew now. He's writing, he says, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. This is a Christmas story. We're going back again to take another look at Jesus for the first time. She will bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which translated means God with us. Who is Jesus Christ? He's God with us. Look at the word, iman u Iman means with us. El is God. With us is God. That's the emphasis in the, in the original text. With us. You see the emphasis? How in the world could God be with man as a man? He's God. That's my Jesus. He's a God who saves his people. His name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from the sins. He is Emmanuel. God with us. A God who saves his people. And only God can save. Your money cannot save you. Your position cannot save you. The fact that you are rich or poor or white or black or whatever whatever it is, it cannot save you. Only God can save you. And Jesus is God. A God who saves. And if you, this is the quote from the, prophet Isaiah about the virgin birth now if you go to that book and you go to chapter 9 you look at verse 6 he describes a little bit more fully who this Jesus is he says a child will be born to us a son will be given to us a child that's his humanity a son that's his deity and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God eternal father Prince of Peace that's my Jesus who Who is Jesus? Here he is. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Eternal father. Prince of peace. That's my Jesus. Is he yours? But a second testimony I want to look at this morning. By another associate of Jesus. Is several statements made by John the baptizer. Listen to John chapter 1. Verse 1. John chapter 1 verse 1 you know it but i want you to look at jesus for the first time again get a second look at jesus christ for the first time john 1:1 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things came into being through him and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. What a fantastic statement this is about my Jesus! Look at a couple of verses, or rather, a couple of words. I was talking to another person the other day. He said, "Boy, there's some preachers who could take one verse and they get preached for that one verse for a year. I can take this verse and I can preach it for two years." And not even scratch it. Look at it. In the beginning. You see, the beginning here takes us back to Genesis 1. The creation. And so we have a picture here that Jesus Christ was in the beginning. In the beginning. So it speaks of his creatorship. Because he was there to help bring it about, as the rest of the verses says. But now notice, it says, in the beginning was. Now this takes us back beyond Genesis 1. This takes us back into timeless eternity. This speaks of the eternality of Jesus Christ, who was the Word. The Word is Jesus Christ. He was before the beginning. He was in existence in eternity. He has always existed. In the beginning was, speaks of his eternality. Who is Jesus? He is the one who is eternal. Always has been. Always will be. He is the always is one. The I am who I say I am. But notice it says with God. In the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Now this alludes to his divine fellowship. With the Godhead. This speaks of his. Involvement as what we call the Council of the Godhead, this has to do with eternal community with other members of the Godhead. In fact, in verse eighteen of this chapter, he says, "No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father he has explained him. John says that the Father and the Son existed before." Creation. They existed eternity and eternally. Where was Jesus? Some people ask, what was Jesus doing before he came to earth? He was in the bosom of the Father. They were enjoying a fellowship that is impossible to describe, a relationship between God the Son. And God the Father. And it was a relationship that was eternal. That's where he was. If you go into the book of Proverbs, you will see where wisdom is personified. And I believe it gives us another picture of the person of Jesus Christ before he came to earth. He was with the Father. He was in the bosom of the Father. He was one who was loved by the Father. In fact, when Jesus Christ came to heaven, and as it were... God was by himself, speaking in human terms. Even in such a moment, because of the closeness of the Son to the Father, because of the closeness of the Father to the Son, when Jesus came to earth as a man, God the Father had to tear heaven apart, and he says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. What was Jesus doing before his coming to earth? Before creation, not his creation, the creation of the earth he was enjoying fellowship with his father now here's the beautiful thing when you and I get the right view of Jesus Christ and we place our faith in him do you know what happens this is unimaginable this is unthinkable they invite us to come in and to enjoy that fellowship with the triune God we too could be in the bosom of the Father. Isn't that, one, isn't that a thought? It just blows your mind. We could actually enter into the fellowship of the divine Godhead. We could become a part of that. You say, i this go to John 17. In fact, John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, when you place your faith in Christ, the Father and the Son will come to reside with you. And of course, we know the Holy Spirit is there. A, what a divine fellowship. What is your view of Jesus Christ? If you have a view of Jesus Christ, and you do not see you having a fellowship with the triune God, you have the wrong view of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Now, notice that God, not a God. Now, I'm going to quote this, not in any... Uh, in in any degrading manner, but there's a fact. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe this. They describe Jesus as being a God. In fact, they have a translation which says that. And that's just a fact. I'm not stating this in any degrading way at all. But you see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not a God. The word here is being described as one of divine essence. Jesus is the word. And so what John is saying us that Jesus was of divine essence. His nature was divine. And notice carefully, when properly interpreted, interpreted this text specifically teaches that Jesus, the Word, was and is not the only person who was of divine essence. Essence. That's the whole point of the passage. That's why there's no definite. Oh, ah, this is for you, Bible students. You might, some of you might get lost here, but anyway, you should learn something when you come to church, shouldn't you? All right, well, listen. That's why there's no definite article in the original before the word God. You see, that's what the others claim. Because there's no definite article, it doesn't say that in the beginning was the word and the word was the God. Therefore, it means that he was a God. And if he was a God, it means that he was not the God. That's the argument. But if they would only turn it around and see that this text is actually answering that question for them. Listen carefully now. You see, John's intention here is to show that the word God was applicable to someone or someone else other than Jesus also. If he had used the word the, then it would only be Jesus. But because he left out the article, there is the indication, the implication, in fact, the teaching and the statement that there's others who could be called God as well. Let me follow this through. If John had said that the Word was a God, this would imply that there were other gods. But this is exactly what John was not saying and did not want to say. Follow me carefully now. He was placing emphasis upon the nature or the essence or the being of the Word, Jesus Christ, the essence. The text is explicitly stating in this way that the word was and is such a being as God is such a being. Understand? I'm saying the word was the kind of being God was. In other words, the word Jesus and God are the same nature and essence. That's the import of the text. That's why John had to leave off the article "the." the. If he did not, then he would have been saying exactly what these other people are saying, and with the text is not saying by implying that he was only a God. Let me illustrate what I'm saying because I know you're confused. Listen to this statement. I was hoping to put this on the overhead, but I stayed up too late last night. Listen to this statement. You must get the permission of a pastor for the privilege to preach at Calvary Bible Church. And Tommy Aubrey was the pastor. Have I said that? Let me read it again. You must get the permission of a pastor for the privilege to preach at Calvary Bible Church. And Tommy Aubrey was the pastor if I made that statement, I would be identifying Pastor Albrey with the necessary requirement. He was the grantor of the permission. No one else. His activity is being emphasized. I wasn't saying anything about his person. You understand what I'm saying? Do you follow me? I, do you follow me? Let me go over it. You must get the permission of a pastor, a pastor, for the privilege to preach at Calvary Bible Church. And Tommy Albrey was the pastor. I would be identifying Pastor Albrey with the necessary requirement for someone to preach. In other words, he was the grantor of the permission. His activity is being described, right? Now, if I were to say, by man comes the permission... And by man must also come the privilege. And Pastor Albrey was man. I would be classifying or describing Pastor Albrey as a male. A human being. You understand what I'm saying? I am not, I wouldn't be describing what he does. But what he is. His nature is what has been emphasized in the second one. Not his activity. In other words, other men, not women, would be able to dispense the privilege. Because I said that Pastor Albie was the man, not a man. You understand what I'm saying? Did I lose you? This is what John is saying here. The word was of the same essence and nature of the God with whom he enjoyed intimate fellowship. He is emphasizing the the words Jesus Christ deity. The word Jesus is of the same essence as God. He is divine. But he is not the only one. So is God the Father, and so is God the Holy Spirit. Thus, all the words and the works and miracles that we see in the Gospels was done by Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He is God. He is the divine essence. He is who He said He is. He is the Son of God. He and the Father are one. That's what He says in John 10.30. I and the Father are are one, the unity of the Father and the Son. Now again, let me teach you something here. In this text, in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one, the word is neuter in gender. In other words, it isn't male, it isn't female. It's neuter. It means I and the Father are one thing. I and the Father are one thing. Complete identity, absolute identity, Unity or oneness in essence and power. That's why he could say, for instance, in the same gospel, John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now notice, and I give eternal life to them. Now, Jesus was not God. He could not say that. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What is he saying? I also am greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my hand either, because I and the Father are one. One. One! That's Jesus Christ. He is God. That's my Jesus. Who's your Jesus? Remember Thomas' statement? Thomas was another one. We call him the doubter. But I think we give Thomas a bad break. you realize when Jesus Christ says, come, let us go to this place where uh, Lazarus is ill, the people said, no, don't go. They're going to kill you. In John chapter 11, verse 16, Thomas stands up. And he said to his other disciples, Let us go with him so that we might die with him. That's Thomas, the one we like to disdain, the one like we like put down. He was a doubter, but he was the one above everyone else who is willing to die with Jesus Christ. He is the one also who has the privilege they're making the most fantastic statement about Jesus Christ recorded anywhere in Scripture. What were those words? When Jesus Christ came and showed him his hands and his feet, Thomas fell down before him, and what did he say? "My Lord." And my God. Hallelujah. My Lord and my God. Crown him Lord of all. That's what Thomas was doing. My Lord and my God. There are no greater words for a Jew to say to a man that you are my God. And he fell to his knees to worship his Jesus. Who's Jesus to you? Oh, he's my Savior. You see your God? Have you fallen down before him? in submission? And say that you are my Lord, you're my God, you're my king. Speak, Lord. your servant heareth. Oh, what do you see Jesus as just a little errand boy? for you Jesus? I need money today. And so I'm going to claim that Jesus got it. You got to get it. You say anything I ask you to get. Jesus, gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give you see, so many of us see Jesus as Mr. Gimme. Give gimme give this, gimme that. That's all. That's all we're doing. Asking, 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 asking. But Jesus is our God. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our service. He is worthy for us to fall down before. And say, my Lord and my God. That's my Jesus. Now I wish we had more time. We could go to the Apostle Paul. And Paul says that he had the very form, Jesus had the very form of God. It means that he had everything God had that made him God. In him dwell the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. In other words, every part of the divine person, the being of the Godhead was in Jesus the man. He walked this earth as the God man. Fully man. Fully God. What a unique person this Jesus is. My Jesus. I ask you, is He your Jesus today? I we'll close with this passage. Paul speaking in Titus chapter 2 verse 11. The grace of God has appeared. Jesus here is seen as the personification of God's grace. For the grace of God has appeared. This is Titus 2 11. Bringing salvation to all men. There's only one person who could do that and that's Jesus Christ. Peter backs his up. There's no other name. In the name of Jesus, given among men under heaven, whereby we can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. What a man. What a God. That's my Jesus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this great God and Savior, not two different people. God is our Savior, and this God is Jesus Christ. And we're looking for Him to come back. Who are you looking for? Many people that they're looking for the Antichrist. I ain't looking for no Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus. My my wonderful Jesus, my glorious, my wonderful Lord, I'm looking for him. And he's coming back. And there's only those who bow the knee to this God today who's really going to see him in all of his beauty, in all of his glory, in all of his wonder. That's my Jesus. He's my God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my Jesus. Is he yours? Let's bow in a word of prayer. Take a few moments, just a quiet reflection. God has spoken to you today today. And he's revealed to you from his word, by his spirit, that Jesus is God. And this is the God who is Savior because he gave his life for you on the cross. And today you want to bow the knee before this God. You want to own him as your Savior. Do that right now, right now where you are in your seat. Simply say to him, Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. But I understand today from your word that Jesus, who is God, gave himself for me on Calvary's cross. He was raised again for my justification. And right now, today, I'm bowing the knee and I'm receiving Jesus as the God who gave himself for me. I'm receiving him as my savior. Do that right now in the quietness of your heart. Perhaps if you're a Christian and you realize today that you really haven't mani- been manifesting the Godlike characters that Jesus Christ wants you to manifest as his child, as his friend. And you realize today that you must submit yourself to his Lordship again and own him as Lord and God of your life. Do that right now. Father, use your word the way that you have sent it forth that it may bring forth fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.